0: I'm Catherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. So there's a lot of darkness in the world right now. Sometimes you think things couldn't get heavier, but then they do. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're able to do a little self-care today. Get a glass of water. Take some deep breaths. Go for a walk around the block. You deserve it. You're working so hard. Take a little time to honor your body for the work it's doing. Today we have a fun episode. I am the host of the Holy Heretics podcast and the Space Between UK podcast. Had a lot of fun recording it and we hope you have fun listening. Here's our episode discussing how things like smoking and cussing and tattoos became things the evangelical community sometimes uses to assess someone's spiritual maturity. In true uncertain podcast fashion, we didn't record this in an effort to find all the answers. Sometimes you just have to ask the questions and start the conversation. <sighs> This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a really long time, and I didn't have anyone to do it with. So I'm <laughs> glad that you guys are taking up the mantle and discussing this super important subject of why cussing, smoking, and tattoos are bad news in the Terrible. church. Yes, just (laughs) terrible, terrible things. So um, yeah, so just to get started, I'm Catherine Spearing with the Uncertain Podcast, and I would love to hear you guys, uh, what you do, and then maybe a, a fun fact about yourself
1: if you have one. A fun fact. Well I'm William Gibson, I'm one of the hosts of the Space Between podcast. Uh, I am studying theology and religious studies at the University of Glasgow Um, and a fun fact about myself, uh, my favourite sport is snowboarding so I am looking Mm -hmm. forward to being able to actually do that again this year because I wasn't able to last year so Get up to the highlands of Scotland and get some snowboarding done and January February time would be lovely. Nice.
2: I'll join you. Uh
1: yeah, sounds, <laughs> that good.
0: sounds
2: amazing. I'm Melanie Mudge and I am one of the hosts of the Holy Heretics podcast. Fun fact about me is it's almost my ten year wedding anniversary and we're Whoa. fingers crossed going to Iceland for it. So I'm really excited. Oh as yay. Long as, as long as the the virus I'm so
0: glad that you can travel to Iceland. Iceland pictures are gorgeous.
2: Well, and my husband's, super viking in his background and so he's like these are going to be my people and i'm like oh dear uh, my ancestors
1: uh, <laughs> that's something i come ac- across quite regularly on tiktok of americans being like i'm scottish <laughs> i'm irish and you're like um i hear about a tennessee in there and that's like yeah. about it, so.
2: <laughs> now yes. we need to know a fun fact about you catherine
1: right
0: I am currently perfecting a Tom Collins, which is gin, lemon juice, and simple syrup, and a sparkling water. Mm. And when I say perfecting, it just means I'm making it and drinking it a lot. That's what I mean by that. So <laughs> we're not discussing drinking in this episode. So <laughs> obviously, we're okay with that. <laughs> Yes, Yes. I do feel like cussing and smoking and tattoos do fall into this other category, though. Like I don't know, there are a lot of evangelicals I think that are uncomfortable with drinking, but somehow I feel like the cussing, the smoking, the tattoos tattoos, thing—tattoos—I think are kind of coming. We're becoming a lot more comfortable with it. So let's start with let's start with cussing, swear words, where did this kind of taboo around certain specific words come from and then maybe more importantly why do we assign like spiritual maturity to people's cussing barometer and Mm -hmm. why does that end up being an assessment tool of how christian someone is what are your thoughts
2: i there's a lot there because i'm a writer and so i think a lot about words and like how how they get meaning but then also how the meaning morphs over time and through generations you know um i think i was reading not that long ago like the name sarah actually used to be a male name a couple centuries ago and and that sounds so weird to us in our modern age because that's a male a uh, female name but it just yeah you know things change or like colors change meanings change and so a lot of the words that we consider, like, taboo or off limits, we gave them those meanings. And then right. yet we, like, get so offended when we hear them. Um, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's a little wild that, like, we're so concerned about that, but we're not concerned about saying the the Christian alternatives, like, freaking or, you know, whatever whatever it is. <laughs> I, like we do it all the time. We say crap or crud or like all Shoot. there's, yeah, there's so many alternatives. Darn it. like, those are okay. Even though they're used exactly the same way mm-hmm. as cuss words. and And that person is considered holier. That part, I don't understand. Like, I don't know if it's just like, it's easier to draw a line somewhere and then say you're in mm-hmm. and you're out or like what it is. But that's the part where I'm like, why, why did we do that?
1: yeah it just right. makes me think of uh out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> the, like literally like their heart posture when they're saying um frick or shoot or anything like that as the same their intention as the same so if they really take like jesus word seriously then like what's the difference but also I think it's like just a valid expression like uh personally I don't know why it's not used more um I think for me as I first started like my deconstruction uh have you ever heard the song a prayer by King's Kaleidoscope
0: I have heard it but I can't remember it yeah
1: yeah so there's this line in it um and uh is it uses the word fuck in it and it's just so impacting when you hear it because um I actually got to see King's Kaleidoscope just before COVID restrictions like came in. Um and when they sang that song, um I think his name's Chad, the lead singer of the band, he explained how He wrote that in response to someone that was close to him um, had died by suicide. And Mm -hmm. so when he received that news, he was just like, didn't know how to express himself. And so he wrote this song that was a prayer and it just had like this um real rawness to it that you were like that's an actual prayer that like you'd want to participate and that like it speaks to something of the human condition and what we all experience it's a shared experience um where you go like yes I want to say that and the motivation to want to say that is right so why then do we like put restrictions on it or have to use alternatives I really don't understand.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I- Forget who, uh, I think it was someone my sister knows was um, talking about how they they have young kids, I think like eight, seven, six, somewhere in there. And they're, they're allowing their kids to use cuss words as long as it's never directed at another person. So like, you know, if you fall and you stub your toe, oh, fuck, that hurt, you know, like, yes that they're okay with that because they're like, it's not another person. It's just expressing an emotion. It, and there's, maybe you guys can add to this. I feel like sometimes those words, like nothing like saying, Oh shoot, that does not get it. It doesn't get, get the it. Emotion it doesn't. the way. Yeah. So it's like, if you're a small kid and you have this strong emotion, cause something terrible happened and you're like, Darn. It just it's not the same. Yeah. And so it was really it was a really interesting concept to be like, oh, I never thought about allowing kids to Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine using them. And then I starting to think about young kids, I'm like, oh no. And then it's like evangelical hackles are raised or something.
0: (laughs) Right. And you wonder like why okay, so if I'm it's okay for me to say it, then why wouldn't I let kids say it? Um and have you guys seen the a History of Swear Words on Netflix? No. it's It addresses what you were mentioning before, Melanie, like the history of these words. And when you study the history of them, you're just like, they just became a bad word. Like they weren't intended to be a bad word when you hear where they first come from. And some of them kind of have origins and stuff, but like they talk about the word pussy, like that was a cat, you know? And like the 1600s, <laughs> that's what they called cats, you know, and it just like slowly developed into all of these bad words and one of the things that I thought about is like when I have kids I may like tell them uh you can't use swear words until like a certain age just because they don't have like the discernment to like know like when it's appropriate and then when they're like 13 I'll let them like write a paper or do a project on like the origin of the word and the appropriate places in which they can use it And then once they've done that and they've demonstrated that they're aware of the appropriate way to use these words, (laughs) then they're allowed to cuss as much as they want, as long as as they're using it appropriately. That's my plan. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a really helpful um, docuseries. And one of the things that it pointed out is how um, a lot of uh, uh, restrictions, like, parental advisory and stuff like that is used it's there's like a racist origin and it's used to kind of censor rap music and uh, more explicit mm. music written by people of color and black mm. people and that was that was like oh so if there's an origin there like that culture is bad and then the things that they say are bad and then that you know leads us to just making this like censor Mm. censor around a lot of these words um potentially has a racist origin too like that makes a little bit of sense where it might come from in some circles um but the evangelical circle of why that's a thing and why why we restrict words it's kind of a mystery i feel like a little bit
1: Yeah, I've not seen that documentary, but I saw something like similar to that about the history of certain swear words. And I think another aspect of it is to do with class as well. Uh, Um, So it was talking about how um, this other doc- I don't know if it was the same one or not this other documentary I'd watched had said that um, essentially English began to form from two different roots you had the lower class that was influenced by Germanic influences and then you had the upper class influenced by French and Latin um, and so like in French if you were to say shit it's merd or Merd. Um, and then uh, in German it's scheisen. Um So Scheizen to shit is like the lower, it's the language of the lower class of peasants. Oh. Of, uh, and so like the upper class, like an aristocracy, wouldn't use that language. And so as it developed into English and you got these swear words, it became associated with being lower class. Um, And I suppose then it was this kind of puritanical mindset that you had with like colonialism and stuff as language and especially English spread out across the known world through colonial activities, then Obviously, that's the upper class that's so implementing this sort of language so standards and true. things like that. So then you begin to see that that seeps through and why those lang- those words are seen as bad, because they're associated with lower class, which then comes with all sorts of connotations um, that come with capitalism. Oh, my gosh. I always have to mention capitalism.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to use them even more now. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> It totally does. Yeah. Get get
2: out of there. Get out of that capitalist and colonialist mindset and Mm -hmm. classist and racist. All that. I'm like, okay. It's a a statement of defiance, which is funny because as a teenager, I totally rebelled. And I had a – like. now that I think about it, I was just about to say this phrase. And I'm like, where did that come from? Um, I swore like a sailor. Where did that come from like was that like low because they're lower class and so they're the ones who speak that way oh interesting but i i had i i had no problem using cuss words but then at one point i came back to god and um like my whole thing was like i gotta clean up my language i need to like be holy for god and like went through this whole process of trying to like retrain and like have new habits and. It was tough and it's interesting that it's like like it goes back to what you were talking about Catherine like why is that seen as like you're holier because you don't use them like how did and it you go specifically from class to evangel or like to being holy
0: Right so you specifically associated coming back to God with cleaning up your language like oh, that 100%. was part of your reconversion basically Oh, yeah. was cleaning up your language that's so interesting yeah oh that's so interesting so somehow like you knew you know good Christians don't cuss like that was oh, somehow it was ingrained it was into your super mind super
2: emphasized in youth group and all that but you know like you're a teenager I went to public high school like you you're left out if you don't cuss kind of thing like you're looked at as not Like, oh, goody two shoes kind of thing. And so eventually you just, and then at one point I kind of like had this moment of like, I don't want to have anything to do with God. So then I was like, great, now I can do whatever I want.
0: Now I can cuss as much as I want.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so then when I came back, it was like, oh, okay, now I need to like be a lady and be proper and Mm -hmm. be holy and those kinds of things. So you
0: had a very different experience. Like it was culturally okay to cuss in your school. But in a oh, youth yeah. group it was not okay to cuss no so it was a very like divide there was a divide between like church world and non-church world yeah that's crazy
1: i don't know or if you, you both, both really had this uh, as you deconstructed but um as you began to deconstruct like my friends began to say to me like you're swearing a lot more <laughs> i was like i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's accurately describing how i feel and uh, the the situation that i'm in so it's <laughs> it's helpful yeah yeah.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and and like people i know who who aren't even who wouldn't even say they're like super deconstructing um all of a sudden they'll they'll just like l- like someone i would never expect to say the f word will just drop it and i'm just like what? Like, and some it's kind of weird how, happening? Yeah, and it's weird how it's like you associate like goodness with not cussing, like oh well they're a good yeah. person so they wouldn't cuss, and then they do, and then you're like, oh, maybe,
0: maybe they're not they're so human,
2: good. just like me, and <laughs> you know,
0: like right, right. Oh, this is super fascinating. I don't know that we've gotten we've gotten a little closer to the answer of like maybe where it came from, but <laughs> it also might just be like evangelicals in general like rules and that we we like rules that are easy. And so like not cussing, that's a pretty easy one to follow. And it's also pretty outward, which is why like the modesty thing is such a big deal because it's pretty easy and it's pretty outward and it's like black and white. We can categorize you based on the length of your shorts. And, and so we can categorize you based on how many F words you use. And that is, um, yeah, kind of part and parcel with a with a lot of more fundamentalist conservative um, communities. Um, yeah, are you guys ready to move on to smoking? Ooh, <laughs> let's talk. Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> Just one more yeah. thing on swearing, actually. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing that I noticed and I don't know if you have had the same experience or like if you've visited like these different types of churches but there does seem to be like a divide within evangelicalism on swearing as well um so for me what I noticed is that in more fundamentalist churches it was just seen as outright blanket like you can never swear um but then like behind closed doors um it would be like oh, I I accidentally swore it's okay, though, but they would still be preaching this idea that, like, all sins are the same, so to speak, but, like, in their minds still had a hierarchy. So there was this, like... Tension there, but then on the other side, churches like, say, for example, Hillsong, uh, that I've been to, or others like that, um, were much more comfortable with swearing in like social environments and didn't see it as a bad thing. But when you were in church or in like a life group or a Bible study, it was always like, no, you can't do that. But if you're in a social setting, they would use it like all the time, and it made you like. For me, I came from quite a fundamentalist like church that was on that more strict end where like if you said it, it was an accident. And so, but you would just like ask God for forgiveness and that would be it. Um so then when I went to like Hillsong conference and to like youth events down in London with Hillsong and churches like that, and the church that I ended up in like before I started deconstructing, um when they started swearing i was like well these people aren't real christians like what's going on here (laughs) but they were they were fine with that like so there does seem to be that divide within evangelicalism as well
0: do you Mm -hmm. think that it's appropriate in evangelicalism to cuss if you're using it for evangelical purposes like you're trying to reach out to the world Mm
1: -hmm. i think that's probably part of it that
0: yeah i think
2: that's a good that's a good point because um it's like seen as kind of like, oh, well, you're cool and you're edgy because you swear. So like, you're not, you're not that like backwards, small town Christian. You're like a cool one that the world can relate to kind of thing, you know? It, yes. It, it, and and that and tattoos actually come in with that too. Yes. Um, because how many like pastors now are like, covered in tattoos, but they're the cool pastors, you know? Right, um, right. So it's like, it's weird how like in older generations, it's very much like, you know, you're, you're straight edge, you follow, you stay on the line. But then like in younger generations, it's kind of becoming like, well, you got to relate to people. So how do you do that? Like, you're not so fuddy-duddy and you don't, you're not so strict about things and you have tattoos because look how cool you are, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Which is interesting
0: yeah yeah maybe that's how how some people snuck it in they were like we can use this to bring people into the church
2: yay yeah.
1: or well, i imagine... know
2: people i know people who who are like well it's a christian tattoo so therefore it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Soli that's... Deo Gloria yeah my, that's what i was gonna say
1: imagine like button. imagine yeah. having all these tattoos like of your beliefs or like promoting your beliefs and then experiencing deconstruction like I think back to like when I was like in fundamentalism and like I'd had this like idea for a tattoo and I was like that would be so cool and it was like all the solas of the it was all the solas of the reformation but like but an an icon (laughs) of them so like um sola deo gloria would be like an arrow pointing up the way um sola christus would obviously be like a cross like sola scriptura would be a book like and have all the symbols like down your arm of the solas um and i was like oh that would be amazing but then now i'm like uh maybe not i
0: remember having that thought because i only have one tattoo um and i i remember like thinking for like probably 10 years, like planning the tattoo that I was going to get. And I, I remember having this random thought that I just remembered when you said that William was, I didn't want to get anything Christian. And it was like this weird, like what if I'm not a Christian someday? And it was like, I remember having that thought and I'm just like, it's like having that symbol of like your faith on your body uh, I bet that is really hard for people. i never thought about that. Uh, if they're like going through, um, yeah, just a process of reassessing what they believe and then to have that symbol of their beliefs on their bodies, like I bet that would be really challenging. Um, yeah.
2: Well, so I have three tattoos. One of them is really small and it's for my nephew who passed away from um, congenital heart disease. Uh, but I also have a brand on my foot that I did in middle school with a friend of mine who was in youth group and, cause like, you know, no way my mom was gonna let me have a tattoo, right? So my friend had like branded himself using a safety pin that he heated up with a candle and then just like burned his arm. And I was like, I want one too. And so he did it on my foot and it was of a dove. And I, it's Whoa. still there. It is still there. Um, but it, it's a brand, so it's not like obvious, like a tattoo. But it's interesting because, it, like at the time, it was like, oh, it's the Holy Spirit, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad it was just a dove and or like a bird, <laughs> so, <laughs> because you know, like how I'm, I was like 13 or something. I don't right. know. And it it felt so real at the time. Um, maybe that's why our parents are like, no tattoos for you, but. At the same time, it is interesting how it's like um, if you do come into the church as an adult with tattoos or or even like lots of piercings or, you know, any of those things that are considered not straight edge, it, it's almost looked at as like, oh, well, they're finally getting back on track or like they must have had a hard life and now they want to follow God or something like that. You know, it's weird how it's tied to like behavior you used to not love God and now you do and now you have these everyday reminders of how terrible you used to be and I don't know like but look how the that Lord
0: is. has redeemed you <laughs> Yeah, brought you into the church but you got the tattoos and that's just a sign of how far you've come it's okay that you yeah. Have those tattoos. yeah
2: or like oh I might like I've I know people who have like um what's it called when you get it kind of redone where it or you're covering up an old tattoo and they get it redone with a yeah. tattoo and so now like look at that symbol it's just interesting like why is morality even part of the conversation when it comes to tattoos
0: yeah like little symbols I guess we should address the the verse that people use to say that it's um the only one I can think of is do not tattoo your body for the dead which I meant to look it up I think it's in Leviticus it that's the is. only one that I remember do you guys remember where it is or any other verses that were used? That's the only one that I remember.
2: I think that's the only one, I think.
0: So um, one verse?
2: Yeah, which is interesting because it's in Leviticus with all the commands, like with, with a command that says, like, don't eat shellfish or something. And then also a command that says, don't wear clothing of mixed fabrics, which we do and don't all shave your the beard. time. Yeah, like, so why Why does Why did that one hang on? That's what I want to know.
0: They went looking for it. They wanted something to say. The Bible says this is bad. And so they went looking for it. And
1: I I I think it's maybe a bit more than that. I think that um, despite all the talk from evangelicalism of like, well, we're just going off the truth and we're not influenced by culture. I think that actually they were just more influenced by culture, that the culture as evangelicalism was kind of born 1800s 1900s definitely wouldn't have approved of tattoos like obviously we're much more accepting of them now but even 30 40 years ago people might not have got a job if they had too many tattoos so it was part of cultural influence and I think as with most things the church always seems to lag behind culture in terms of changing ideas on morals and social norms um and so that probably they rather than just being like this is a biblical truth, they've actually just been influenced by culture and accepted it, and mm. that's that's been it. Without no, I think you're it.
0: absolutely right. There's a huge pattern of the evangelical church, and that's like where complementarianism and patriarchy and all that comes in. The evangelical church takes what's happening in culture, brings it into the church, wraps it in spiritual language, and presents it as biblical truth. And that's a continual pattern. You're you might be. You might be onto something there. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah,
2: I think that's. a I think that's a really good insight, Will, because um, it's it's just like it, I I keep thinking about how it goes back to like classism and potentially racism, or like like why 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 would it have been a command in the Bible? Probably because it was very unsafe back then to get some sort of marking in your skin. I mean, you could probably get super sick from that. Nowadays it's crazy safe. Like I had zero problems with any of my tattoos and I have plans to get more. Um, and so then it's like, well, it, and it does, like you said, well, it goes back to jobs. Like I, I had a manager at a restaurant I worked at in high school who had full sleeves and the lady who owned the restaurant was like you have to always wear long sleeves, or else you can't work here. So like he had to wow. fully cover them up. Um, and she wasn't a Christian or anything. it was it was just such a it's such a social norm. Um, and I'm like like how, i don't I don't understand like why it's so offensive. I guess maybe it's the same as
0: language. yeah, and it just yeah it just becomes ingrained in, in what we do, and we don't question it until except, except. This brings us to smoking. Um, my I did question it when I was like 14, 15. Oh, okay. No, I was probably a little older than that. Cause I remember I was driving. So I was probably 16 or 17. And I remember driving and I remember having this thought because smoking was so associated with people's salvation. Like I remember like, like, they're not a Christian. They smoke. Like it was like actually said, like that. Christians don't smoke. And wow. I remember driving and just having this, cause I, I was, you know, raised in a culture of, of biblical literal literalists. And I had read the Bible a couple of times at that point. And it just like dawned on me. I was like, there's nothing in the Bible about smoking. Like it's not in the Bible. I was like, huh. Smoking's okay then, and it was just like uh-huh. switch in my switch in my switch flipped in my brain, and I was just and I and I and I wanted to smoke and I wanted to try it, but it wasn't until many years later that two friends from youth group, uh, I was a youth group leader, and so it was other leaders, and we we literally like hiked into the wilderness because it was a small town, and we didn't want anyone. It was like people could drive by at any time, so we needed to be like very very secluded. Um, for them to like teach me how to smoke. I was in my early twenties when that happened and yeah, I was just like, I don't know where that one came from. Anybody got, got any, got any thoughts on where the smoking one came from?
2: And this is cigarettes, right? Yeah. I don't think I heard that ever. That so they're I, not a
0: Christian. If yeah. They smoke. So
2: I'm fascinated that that was such a big deal. Like what, what denomination did you,
0: Was this in? Oh, I, we weren't in a, we weren't associated with a denomination. Yeah. No. No, yes.
2: No.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, it, but, but like what William was saying about culture though, there was that big campaign of like, these are cancer sticks and like, these are terrible, you know, for you, you know, with my like grandparents' generation. So maybe that was like, they spiritualized something that was happening in the culture. And like all my grandparents all smoked. And so maybe it was a, another case of Christians taking the culture and wrapping it as this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, William?
1: Well, the, the thing that my head always goes to when it comes to smoking is like the differentiation that seems to exist between cigarettes and cigars. Um, yes. And the thoughts that come into my head with that are your usual culprits of patriarchy and capitalism of um, (laughs) the fact that like there's this uber male like image that a lot of um male pastors or even youth leaders or people within the church in general like to present and so that would mean that it would allow for them to sit and have a cigar um because it's manly it's something to do that's Ah. manly and then it's also associated with Um, big business um, is associated with like CEOs and there's a lot of different associations that come with that Um, a lot of this is like in my head like I don't have as much evidence to go like yes that's definitely what it is um, as the other stuff that I've said throughout this but it's definitely the association that I can see most clearly from what I know of the different associations like and I know people that are in like still in conservative environments who would be allowed to smoke a cigar in front of their uh, pastor but would never be allowed to smoke a cigarette and I've also it would always be men that are allowed to do that it would never be women um like it just wouldn't be a thing like I was on a stag do one time and there was people from a church so it was a lot more conservative than mine and one of the leaders was there and they were all just passing cigars <laughs> around and it was fine Um, But I cannot imagine that being allowed on a hindu. Uh, I can't imagine that being allowed if it was cigarettes as well. So that's the thing that my head goes to straight away. Whoa,
0: I am so glad that you brought that up. I think you brought that up when we were messaging about doing this episode. So I'm so glad that you brought it up again here because I had forgotten about that. But that's oh, That's a good one. That's Mm -hmm. really good. The patriarchy Mm -hmm. connection
2: yeah yeah well so my my grandpa i think started smoking when he was 13 you know i mean it for a long time it was just cool and then i don't remember how old he was when he switched to cigars but then he smoked cigars for 65 years i don't know something crazy um and then he switched to pipes uh in his 70s or 80s, somewhere in there, and then like one day quit cold turkey. But he I mean he this is a man who's been a Christian his whole life, um, always in the church, like you know does a a daily devotional every morning out loud with his wife. Like I, he's he was a great man, um, and it's interesting because he didn't. I don't like we as his grandkids were like hey we don't want you to smoke because we don't want you to die from cancer but i don't think as far as i ever knew he ever had someone say like hey you're not a good enough christian if you do that
0: um
2: but i i kind of now william you got me thinking about like what if my it had been my grandma that would have been a whole different ball game especially cuz it was southern baptist that was the church that they went to forever and that i went to for a long time as well um like imagine if it had been my grandma smoking since she was 13 like it would have been a whole like i feel like she would have experienced something completely different which is interesting cuz it is kind of associated with masculinity but now i'm like has it all changed cuz of vaping mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know oh because <laughs> I know a lot of people who do vape and they vape kind of constantly but it doesn't seem to have the same stigma
0: that I think I that know. was a good marketing campaign on the side on the part of vapors the people mm. who created it I think that they marketed it as the classy smoking
2: well like with, with the church that you went to that said like you are not saved if you smoke like do they say the same thing about vaping I'm curious. I about don't that.
0: talk to those people anymore, so <laughs> I
2: don't
1: know. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great,
0: <I> <laughs>
1: yeah. You
2: can't use that language. You're not no. safe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, fuck away. This is <laughs> <laughs> the cussing podcast.
2: Well, and I think that's interesting too, because then it gets into like smoking marijuana, also like. Ooh. It's a, it's different from cigarettes, but like that's becoming more socially acceptable. Mm Um, I don't know. It's, well, I, I, one thing that I think about a lot when we talk about like smoking cigarettes or just smoking tobacco versus smoking marijuana is like people always bring up, well, marijuana gets you high. And I'm like, nicotine is its own drug or caffeine is its own drug. Like why are some drugs considered more acceptable? I mean, alcohol is a drug, right?
0: It's. So I don't know if there's, like... I think like... marijuana is associated with, uh, like... Uh, I think there's a racist reason for that, too, with mm-hmm. Mexico. I think, yeah. And then just but the also way also that... rap
2: culture, too, I feel like. Yes. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. And and who are the bad guys in the drug dealer movies? Like, who plays those people? Like, there's a social-racial connection there, too. Ooh, we could trace everything back to it seems <laughs> capitalism, racism, patriarchy. Patriarchy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everything does. I think like um probably i don't know if you've heard this justification but the justification i heard for like not smoking and things like that was the passage and i think it's corinthians where it talks about like your body being a temple of the holy spirit uh-huh. um and yes. people taking that in a very literal way and so it was more of like this health thing rather than a moral thing like it's not healthy um and it was the other passage so it's being Paul.
2: morbidly obese but nobody in the church seems to care about that
1: yeah <laughs> I know yeah, um, you want. yeah there's there's that other passage as well that talks about like um like all things are permissible but not all things are beneficial um and that was again Paul I think that said that um and that was used and it's like oh well it might be like permissible like it's okay to in this situation for a guy to have a cigar but like that doesn't mean that like is beneficial for him to be spoken all the time like it's okay in this situation but not in an, another um which is probably the most nuance that i've seen in, in an evangelical position but <laughs> <laughs> no I, that's that's a straw man that's i'm so sorry <laughs>
0: nuance works you you can be nuanced when it benefits you like that that's okay
1: yeah Um, but then i think like that's the thing with a lot of it is that this the argument that's being used to justify it in some situations um and then to reject it in others can be used to expand the acceptance of other substances of um other like (laughs) actions as well that are potentially unhealthy to go like well i mean like i know that it's not beneficial um but that doesn't mean that like i can't go and like have a takeout every friday night or every other night (laughs) you know like that it can be applied to lots of different things because the main argument from there for them is health but then because it's scripture they then go health word of god morality like they make mm. the the jump I feel mm. um, or I feel like I had to make that jump anyway it was like well the Bible was talking about health here and it's the Word of God so therefore it's morality and that that was the jump that was being made
0: mm. yeah mm. I know that for like af- like during seminary and stuff there was a there's a whole like which I, I I don't disagree with this but like acclimating to the culture that you're in and like okay, maybe you're okay with smoking, but you're in a church that's not. So you need to acclimate to that culture that you're in. Or, you know, for me as a, as a youth director, you know, you're, you might be fine with cussing, but because the youth group itself has a culture that cussing is bad, you need to not cuss, like, while you're in that youth group. And there was, like, that, um, which I don't necessarily think that that's wrong, yeah, I know. I guess I just had like a lot of private conversations with like students and stuff about these things of like, like, no, it's not wrong. But like while you're a minor and your parents are not OK with it and while you live at home and while, you know, you're in this church or whatever, like they kind of have to follow the rules. But no, it's not bad. Like yeah, you can cause as much as you want when you're on your own or whatever. Um, so I don't think that that's necessarily bad. And I think that that's something to still keep in mind with some things when, when some outward stuff like becomes, I don't know, like becomes this barrier to having a relationship or having a conversation, which I think, and that's why I think that these subjects are really important to talk about because, you know, why would cussing be a barrier? Why would smoking be a barrier? Why would tattoos be a barrier to having a conversation or having a relationship with someone? And so Let's not let them be barriers. So,
2: I definitely, as I've gone through my deconstruction, been more like, I don't care anymore. Right. Like I, I used to be like, almost like a way to feel holier than now. Like I don't cuss and I don't get drunk and I don't smoke and I, you know, whatever it was, whatever the outward behavior was, it was like like clearly my heart is better because I'm showing it on the outside kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and now as I've deconstructed, it's like, I don't need to prove to anyone where my heart is at. (laughs) Like, like, I don't, I don't have to. and, And these are arbitrary measurements of like how good or bad someone is, um, which is stupid. So like, why do I, why do I count out of that? I don't know why, but, I definitely around certain people who it would bother. I don't, I don't do mm-hmm. those things, and and even on our own podcast, like guests can say whatever they want. I don't care, um, but I try, try not to just because I'm like I know we have people who listen who aren't at that point, and I don't want them to just be like, oh my gosh, it's just full of cuss words that I wouldn't, I can't listen to it anymore, you know. And it, it's just interesting because it's like, why do we spend so much time concerned with? if we can measure someone else's goodness or their holiness or whatever word we want to use um by these arbitrary measures when like we're not emphasizing within our families or at our churches or wherever it is in our communities um like the real measurement of like are you kind to people are Mm -hmm. you loving do you do you use like you can say the F word all you want, as long as you don't say racial slurs. Like, you know, like the things that actually are harming. Why is it that we don't care about that and we care so much more about these arbitrary things? And that's where I am like, you know, that's what I want to be about. Like I want people to know, like, sure, I may cuss or I may have tattoos and you may find that offensive. But when it comes down to it, I'm gonna be there for you, even if you right. think I'm a horrible person. And that's what matters.
0: Mm. I wonder too, since my, my realm is abused in the church and I wonder too, if one of the reasons why um, Christianity has been truncated into some of these simpler forms, like don't, don't dance, you know, and shake your beauty, you know, cover your body, don't smoke, don't cuss, you know, don't drink, do all these things to make it like super easy to be a good person. So then like, an abuser can come into these communities and follow those rules and everyone thinks that they're a good person. And so it's mm. been set up this way to function in this way. And, and I believe whether it's a chicken or egg situation, I believe abusers have used that to their advantage to um, be able to present as a good person because of all these outward rules, but then they're really rotten
1: people on the inside. Mm. Yeah. If, Uh, i mean i i I remember the um phrase that jesus used where he described like the pharisees at one point as like whitewashed tombs. that it's definitely like that um that what is often associated as sin and therefore leading to death um in many cases like isn't and they miss the fact that like they're decaying and dead underneath in general anyway um so and i and actively causing harm like you said as well um so yeah i would agree
0: we fixed everything guys (laughs) (laughs) i love it when an episode can do that
2: well then we need to have these episodes more often
0: i would agree with that stuff (laughs) i would agree with that as we wrap up do you guys want to give some information about where people can find you.
1: Yeah. So the best place to find me would be on Instagram at the space between UK. Um, some people mistake it as the space between us, but it's at the space between UK um, because I am in the UK and Scotland and for podcasts on Apple podcasts and Spotify and pretty much anywhere that you find podcasts. If you just search for the space between.
2: You can find us on Instagram is at Holy Heretics Podcast and then Facebook and Twitter, which we're less active on, is just at Holy Heretics and then our podcast is basically anywhere you can find podcasts as well. Just search for Holy Heretics um, and it's spelled H E R E T I C S. Sometimes people can't find us because That's right. It's not a word we use very often.
0: That's right. I have spelled it wrong in in Google search when I have searched for some of your episodes. Yeah.
2: yeah. It wasn't something I thought about when we named it. Yeah. Um,
0: But I'm Catherine Spearing, and um, Uncertain is an affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, which is a nonprofit for survivors of spiritual abuse, and the podcast is Uncertain Podcast at Uncertain Podcast. On Instagram, and we have Facebook too, but that's for Tears of Eden, which is the same thing. So <laughs> folks can buy the same thing.
2: We have the same thing. We have a nonprofit yes. as well called the Sophia Society, and people are like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you have separate Instagram accounts for both of them. Yes. 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 Right. Okay. Well. What? Thanks for being here, guys. This was so fun, and I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> thanks for being here. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org/support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review. And don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Catherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time.